Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when you get in the presence of God, you just got to stay there for a while. Don't be in a rush to get out. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. God's not a uh, program God. Neither does he live on our schedule. <laughs> you know, many times we can miss God just because we have a schedule. Amen. Well, go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Don't you appreciate the worship team? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to share a couple things with you today. Of course, that's no surprise. <laughs> but I'd like you to open for a moment to Luke chapter 2. And I want to just kind of preface some things and get to where we need to go. Um, you know, sometimes we just have preconceived ideas about things. And even about our own life and what we think and how we think that things are going to go or work out. And, um, you know, God, he doesn't work within our preconceived ideas. It's up to us to get into his ideas, his thoughts, and his plans. Isn't that right? Amen. Now, here in Luke chapter 2, very familiar verse in 26 through 28 is when Gabriel came and visited uh, Mary. And in Luke chapter 2, 26 through 28, it said, And it had been revealed to him. No. 26. No, maybe it's 16. No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Luke chapter 1. Yeah. Luke 1, 26 through 28. Yeah, that's where it is. Luke chapter 1. That's what I get for reading my notes. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. So we know that Gabriel came. He told Mary about having a, 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 a son. And she said, I don't see how this can be. She says, I haven't been with a man, so I don't see how this is ever going to happen. And, of course, Gabriel then explained the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Isn't that right? And then after all those things, Mary said, what? Be it done unto me according to your word. Now, how many times have we said, Mary could have said, hey, I don't want nothing to do with that. Mary could have said no, couldn't he? Well, there's people that think that Mary could never have said no because God has planned all this out. See, this is God's will and God's planned it out, so therefore Mary could not say no, which then would make Mary's yes by decree. And that means God would have to override her free will. So if it was all planned out and this is the way it's going to be and nobody has a choice in it, then it's by decree and not by decision of free will. A lot of people think that about salvation. Well, you got saved because God's plan was for you to be saved. Well, then you could have said, you, then you had to say yes, you couldn't say no. It would have been saved by decree and not by choice. But God gave us all free will. 
and we have the choice to say yes or to say no. Right. Isn't that right? right? Of course. You've proven that. I've proven that many times with God. No, don't think so. <laughs> right? Amen. So it wasn't by decree. It was by choice. So run over to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And let's read verses 4 through 6. 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 6. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But this was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel then prayed to the Lord. Okay, the way God had set up Israel is that he wanted judges to rule over Israel, that God would speak to the judges and then the judges would then declare things to Israel and the Lord himself would direct Israel through the judges. Isn't that right? That was God's plan. But the people didn't want judges. They wanted to be like the nations. It's kind of like the church today that tries so hard to relate to the world. We want to be just like the world so that they'll come to us. Why would they come to you? You're already like them. Israel wanted what the world had. The world has kings. We want a king. God said, I'm going to do it through judges. They said, nope, we want a king. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Okay, so God's first choice was that he would rule Israel himself through judges, and he was rejected. Now, his plan's not stopped, because we know when you get to Revelation 22, he's the king and he's ruling over it. Yeah. Isn't that right? But obviously, the plan is delayed. You can never stop God's plan, but you can certainly delay it. How do you delay God's plan? Choices. See, God don't change. He's going to continue to work to try to get his plan, but it's all choice, based on choice in our life. Verse 8. And like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so that they are doing to you also. As it is, he says, even to this day. Well, even to this day. Even to this day. Not just that day, but even to this day. The people of God have actually forsaken God. They've turned away from God. They don't even know the voice of God. They don't know the direction of God. They don't even know what the word of God has to say. And even you could find today, people want to go to church and sit there for 20 minutes and just have somebody talk to them and go home and be well and uh, we're good. And not even ever open their Bible. No idea what the Bible says. But then they want to tell you how they have faith. Oh, I have faith. But you don't know even what the word of God says. Are you with me? So... We need to learn from history so that it don't get repeated in our lives. 
You say, well, pastor, you know, I'm in church all the time. And, you know, you could be in church and be as dead as that chair you're sitting on. Being in church is not the answer. It's your heart condition. And even if you are good right now, every single one of us is just one breath away from being stupid. One breath. Wrong choice. Right? Sure. It's what um, Ed Cole, Ed Cole used to have a lot of men's meetings, and he would make this statement, one jackass stunt will ruin a whole life of work. One choice away. Verse, uh, no, chapter 9, verse 15 through 17. Now a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. And he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold the man of whom I spoke to you. This is the one who shall rule over my people. Okay, so God sends Sam, uh, Saul to Samuel, and he has Samuel to anoint Saul to be king. Actually, he's anointing Saul to be king in God's place. Because the people have rejected God as being their king. So here comes Saul, and he's, he's the one that's uh, going to be anointed as king. And if you know the account of Saul, and you should read through Samuel, but if you know the account of Saul, you know that he acted foolishly before God. Isn't that right? And he makes choices apart from God. Number one, he was impatient. Number two, he was fearful, fearful of the people, and he was foolish. And the pressures of being king got to him. Are you with me? Amen. See, when the pressures get to you, you make foolish choices. Chapter 15, verse 23. So Samuel has done stuff against God, what God told him to do. And it says, and, and here Samuel is speaking from the Lord to Saul. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is iniquity and idolatry. So you want to define, see a lot of people think, well, I'm not an idol worshiper. Well, if you're insubordinate, you are. Oh, ouch, that hit me right there. Rebellion is like witchcraft. Insubordination is like idolatry. Why? Because when you're insubordinate, you're, you're puffing yourself up. And you are your idol. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So, Saul now is being rejected as king. So, this is any, another rejection. First, they rejected God who wanted to be king. And then he sets up Saul and Saul gets rejected as being king because he disobeys God. He's rebellious and insubordinate. So things don't look like they're going very well the way God wanted them to go. See, and what this really does is it does away with the idea of, well, if it's God, God will just work it all out. Oh, no, no, no. 
You better get with the program. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Now, Saul was rejected from being king. How long was it until Saul actually died and was removed from the kingship? 14 years. It's 14 years. From the day God said, I've rejected you as being king, it wasn't, it wasn't until 14 years later that he left the kingship. Unexpectedly. <laughs> So here he says, to the, the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. So we know that Samuel goes to Jesse's house and ultimately he anoints David to be king. So David gets anointed as king. How long is it before David steps into the kingship? 14 years. And we know that during those 14 years, Saul tries to kill David. Well, there's a godly king. <laughs> so what was God's first choice? That he would be king over Israel. Isn't that right? What was his second choice? Saul. Saul was the second choice. Guess what? David's the third choice. David's not number one here. He's the third choice. The people said no to God. God said no to, I'm sorry, Saul said no to God. And now God's third choice steps in to be king. So if the people said no to God, if Saul said no to God, could Mary have said no to God? Of course. Did she have a choice or did she have a decree? She had a choice. Was Mary human? Did Mary have free will? So she could have said yes or no. Amen. Was God doing a good job leading Israel? I would think so. I mean, I don't think that's very deep of a question. Did Saul get anointed by God? To be king. Was the Lord working with Saul? Yes, he was. So how could Saul then ultimately say no? Free will. And if we have trouble understanding, Saul was made king. God's working with Saul. How could Saul disobey and say no to God? I don't know. How could you? You're a king. You're a king in the kingdom. God works with you, done wonderful things in your life. Yes, and yet, haven't we said no to him? Yes. The answer to that no question is yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have. We, we, we have done things where we were disobedient to God, but how could we after all those things that he has done? So if you want to understand the mess up in the Old Testament, just look at yourself. Really, it's true. Things don't change. Saul was impatient. He was fearful. And he was foolish. And you should read 1 Samuel that talks about Saul's reign. We live in a day now where the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 
the oil of the new birth and the wine of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Do we need to be anointed with oil to know the Holy Spirit is speaking to us? No, he, the Holy Spirit, he is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the oil. Isn't that right? And he pours on us through his words. There are times the Holy Spirit is speaking something fresh from heaven within a teaching. And it gets missed so many times. You know why? Because I didn't stand up here and go, oh, this is the Lord. See, I didn't do that. So you didn't like, oh, we need to hear that. No, it's just part of teaching. And you miss it. I remember being in somebody's house one time, just visiting them, having coffee at their house and cake, I'm sure. But we were at their house and just visiting years ago, back in the 80s. And all of a sudden, while we're visiting, I think Pastor Morgan and you, Ellen, was there also, and we were just visiting at their house. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God dropped and just started speaking some things to them. And it was by the Spirit of God. And they missed the whole thing. Missed it all. Why? Because I didn't go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Spirit of God is saying something here. <laughs> you know, some people need you to be dramatic. It's time to grow up. So they totally missed. Number one, I was a friend. So they're listening to my words just as a friend. And they also did not receive the gift or the office of the pastor. So the office, not me, not me, I don't care about me, it's not me, but the office was not respected. Why? Because they overlooked the office because you're just a friend. Amen. And what the Lord spoke to them about was decisions that was coming up in their life. But they already had their preconceived ideas of what they were going to do. So they missed the whole thing. And when, when the Spirit of God actually lifted and it was all done, they were like, huh, well, we know what, what, we know what we're going to be doing. I mean, that's what they said. And it was like, okay. Free will. Free will. And, in fact, that same, those same people, they were talking to when I was in, on staff in the other church, and they were just talking to the pastor about some stuff that was coming up. And the pastor said to them, don't do that. It will not be well for you. They didn't listen because he was their friend. And they went and did what they said they were going to do, and it turned into an absolute nightmare. And they said to me some years later, you know, he said we shouldn't have done that, you know, we, well, but we did it, and it was a mess. And he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was right. You were wrong. You didn't listen. See, and this is why we have to be attentive on the inside, even coming into church. You have to be attentive and listening within your spirit to what the Spirit of God is saying to you personally. I have sat in services that taught on healing, and I get revelations about finances. I sit in services that, that taught about marriage, and I would get a revelation about other things in my life. Why? Because you're sitting under the anointing, paying attention. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen? 
So going over to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27 is about when the Apostle Paul was on his way to Rome. And in verse 10 and 11, Acts 27, verse 10 and 11, it says, and this is Paul speaking to the people, the ship. Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. All right. So the Apostle Paul says, I perceive. He said, I perceive. The word perceive is used for visionary seeing and the apprehension of higher realities. I'm perceiving something here. So Paul had something to say, but he didn't stand up and go, thus says the Lord. Well, what would thus says the Lord really mean to a centurion? Just like it means to a lot of the body of Christ. Nothing. So Paul had something to say. The pilot and the captain had something to say. And the centurion had a choice. Where are you going to set your faith? You have heard different opinions, different things. You've heard different things. Where are you going to set your faith? Well, the centurion set his faith on what the pilot and the captain was saying. Are you with me? You know, a lot of times we can hear what the Holy Spirit has to say, but we reject what we hear because it goes against our preconceived ideas. Oh, that can't be God. Oh, that can't be God. If that was God, you know, he would add to what I think. Because what I think is right. Or what I think is what I heard from the Holy Ghost before, but now I'm hearing something so different, and so therefore that can't be right. And we actually have no standard except for what we think. Where's the standard of the Word? The Holy Spirit only guides you in the truth. Are you with me? Our preconceived ideas many times is what we think it should be or how we think it's going to happen. Well, this is, what I th this is how I think it's going to happen. Well, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong because unless the Spirit of God has absolutely revealed to you how it's going to happen, you have no idea how it's going to happen, and you can't know. It's impossible for you to know. You spend so much time in that head trying to figure out how when you have no idea, neither are you able to know. How the seed grows... We don't know. But what I do know is I put in the seed and there's a passage of time. And when the harvest comes, then I put in the sickle. How's it grow? Don't know. How's it happen? Don't know. No idea. But yet that's the one thing your mind wants to worry about. But how? 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 And what did we say some weeks ago? It's not about how. It's about who. Just, just, just change the, the, it's the same letters, how and who. Same letters, just make it who instead of how. It's not about how it's going to happen, it's about who. If you get wrapped up in the who, the how would take place. Because what are you doing if you're trying to figure out the how that you can't figure out? You're worrying. And worrying brings 
no answers. And while you're not getting answers, your worrying is killing you. And the Lord says, be anxious for nothing. So if I'm going to hear the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to hear, worry, worry, figure this out. You need to figure this out. I'm not going to hear that from the Holy Spirit. What am I going to hear? Quit worrying. Be anxious for nothing. Look at the birds of the sky, useless, worth nothing, but yet I take care of them. Aren't you worth more than them, you ye of little faith? Why do you worry? Because you have no faith. It's either fear or it's faith. One or the other. You can't have both. Well, I have faith in my heart, in my spirit, but I'm worried in my head. So you're working on renewing your mind. Just realize that you're working on renewing your mind and you're not in a position of faith yet. Amen. Preconceived ideas of what we think it should be or how we think it's going to work out. The centurion I'm sure I had a preconceived idea of a smooth sailing. We're on the ship and we're headed back to Rome. Isn't that right? But there was five reasons why the centurion did not listen to Paul. And it's the same five reasons why we don't listen. So let's back up a little bit to verses and read verses 4 through 8. Acts 27, 4 through 8. From there, we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. You know, winds in life are always contrary. We should understand that by now. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in, at Lycia. And there, were, and there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship, an Alexandrian ship, this is the Cadillac of, shrip, of, of ships. This is top-notch Bentley ships. The Alexandrian ship. They must have thought, oh, dear God, we're stepping onto an Alexandrian ship. This is going to be a wonderful trip. So there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy. And he put us aboard it. Okay. And when we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had a, a, arrived at Snidus, since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. And with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens near, which was the city of Lycia. Okay, so it was a very difficult trip. They had the idea that this was going to be a great trip, a smooth trip. But this was a difficult trip. You know, we went on the cruise, and we thought it was going to be a great cruise. But then all of a sudden, they quarantined us, and we're sitting on this boat for another month. We planned it to be smooth, going to have a great time. But it didn't work out that way. They're sailing with great difficulty. It was a grueling trip. I'm sure the centurion wanted it to be over. Wouldn't you? He was probably stressed and tired. He's carrying grain to Rome. He's carrying prisoners to Rome. He's in charge of all of this, trying to get there, trying to get back to Rome. And he's stressed 
and he's tired. Maybe he had a family that he wanted to get home to. He wanted the trip to be over, and he wanted it to be over now, which I'm sure none of us can relate to that. You know, we've been through building projects here on the property, and um, it was not always easy. In fact, if we did a percentage rate, it was more percentage of difficulty than it was easy. I've had to work on character development. Not always easy. I've worked on increasing finances in our life and in the ministry. I've had to work on things in the family, which was usually my fault. And you know, when you work on stuff, doesn't matter if it's a building project, doesn't matter if it's character development, whatever it might be, you get tired. And you know what happens when you get tired? You get irritable. And then when you get irritable, you get impatient. Right? I don't need to go into depth on that. But there's a sense of needing to rush to the finish. Getting to the end of the project, I just want it to be over. I just want it to be done. And what happens then? You make rash decisions. You're no longer listening. Now you're listening to the sound of your impatience, the sound of your irritability. You're listening to the sound of being tired. And you're making rash decisions because you don't want to feel tired anymore. You don't want to be irritable anymore. You, don't, you, you want the thing to be done. Impatience will cause a deaf ear to the Spirit of God. Yeah, well, Pastor, you know, it's been two years. Well, where's your button of impatience? You know, whenever you go through a situation, whatever it might be, whatever you're dealing with, it could be health, it could be finances, um, it could be a, a circumstance of life, it could be things you're dealing with at the bank, at the courthouse, in the building department, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But whatever it is we deal with, it's more than just the situation we're dealing with. You see? Because you're getting emotionally invested in what you're doing. And when that happens, you start to get emotionally invested in something. That's when problems start to take place. So... No matter what the situation is we're dealing with, you're also dealing with character development within the situation. Because it was probably 90% of the time that character floor that opened up the door to what you're dealing with. Sometimes it's an attack, and sometimes we want it to be an attack, but if you're honest, you'll say, I didn't do what I was supposed to do character flaw. What do you think rebellion is? What do you think insubordination is? Character flaws. So it's more than just dealing with the situation. It's also getting your character in line, straightened up. Amen. So when we start getting tired, irritable, impatient, we're starting now to get emotionally invested in something. But you cannot allow your emotions to throw you off track to success. You cannot allow your emotions to sideline you to where you don't reach the finish line. 
Impatience can take an Isaac vision and turn it into an Ishmael outcome. What do you think happened with Abram, Abram and uh, Sarai? Well, Abe, you know I'm getting a little old here. Having kids just don't seem to be working. You seem to still be working, so why don't you go on into my maid and have a little offspring? And Abe, the man of faith that he was, said, that sounds good to me. <laughs> we wonder why women have problems with men. <laughs> there was an Isaac vision, but because of the work of the flesh, it turned into an Ishmael outcome in which we still have with us today. Patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And patience needs to be practiced. Well, how do you practice patience? Well, when you have nothing else to do, just drive down 41 sometime during the day. <laughs> That'll practice some patience for you. And you can talk to yourself, I am love, I am joy, I am patience, I am endurance, I have self-control, I am good, I am kind, I don't give out hand signals that are not even uh, uh, worthy for the uh, hearing impaired. You know, and you just got to talk to yourself. That's how you develop character. And you got to do it over and over and over again. We've all worked on becoming a character, but we need to have character. And if it's the fruit of the Spirit, that means you already have it. When you got born again, that was put on the inside of you. You don't have to believe God for patience. You have it. You don't have to believe God for endurance. You have it. You don't have to believe God for self-control. You have it. So you need to exercise it. Like we always said. Do you go to the gym and stand outside the gym and go, oh, God, I'm believing for muscle. I'm believing for muscle so I can go into that gym and work out. I'm believing. for No, you have muscle. You were born with it. Just go into the gym and exercise what you've got, and it'll turn into what you need. Exercise what you've got, it'll turn into what you need. Exercise what you've got, it'll turn into what you need. Stop looking for what you need when you're not even exercising what you've got. It's about growth. The just shall walk by faith. It's a growth process. It's not leap by faith, fly by faith. It's walk. It's a growth process. Use what you've got and you'll get what you need. It'll grow. Strength building. Character. When you're developing character in your life, it develops strength in your life. Amen. And what happens when you go into the gym and you work out? And let's say you want to get to the place to where you can... Maybe, you know, dead press 200 pounds. But right now you can only do 50. But what happens when you start doing 50? Pain. <laughs> hurts. Isn't that right? Yeah. Why? Well, you know the expression, no pain, no gain. Because what happens is your muscles get torn and then they get uh, scabs over them. And then that's what turns into muscle. Okay, and the, the muscles are to expand, to get bigger, because they're hurting and you're working them. Right? Well, what about our character? What about when we deal with things in our life? What about when I'm dealing with having patience or endurance or self-control? That hurts. We liked it better with no self-control. 
Or was it just me? No, it hurts. You start developing self-control. That hurts. You know, I remember just something really simple. Just driving home at night. My wife would be in the front seat. Kids were young, and they're in the back seat. And it's late at night, and I was tired. I had worked at the shop all day. We were at church, and it's late at night. I'm tired. I'm looking to go home and go to bed. And my kids are yakking and yakking and yakking in the back seat, and my wife's talking with them, and there's a lot of noise in the car. And I'm driving, saying to myself, it's not them, it's you. It's not them, it's you. You're feeling irritable, but it's not their fault. It's your fault. It's you. You're tired. If you're tired, you need to go to bed. Don't take it out on them. They're just doing what they do. Kids are doing what they do. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just doing what they do. They're talking, having fun, having a good time. You're not because you're tired. <laughs> so you don't take it out on them. You need to deal with you. Amen. And that goes for any circumstance in life that you may deal with. It's you, not them. Don't allow Satan with his lies to rob you of the patience that you have. The centurion was impatient and he gave way to the impatience. Verse 11. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Now, who is the pilot and the captain of the ship? They're the ones that know about sailing. Isn't that right? Who's Paul? Paul's a prisoner. What does Paul know about sailing? So the captain and the pilot had more influence on the centurion. After all, the pilot and the captain are the experts. After all, they're the experts. What's an expert? It's a form of pert. Okay, so how many of you ever listened to expert advice? I did. I listened to the expert and got in the boat at the wrong time. It was not a good trip. Everything on the inside of me, including my wife who was outside, said, don't get on the boat. No, the expert said, it's okay. We'll get on the boat. Well, it almost cost us our lives again. The, so the experts fit the centurion's preconceived ideas. Let's get going. Let's get home. We can do this. He had a preconceived idea. We're going to sail on. And they agreed with it. You know, when we were working on the, the building, uh, the, this side of the building, the first part, I went to the banker about funding. Okay? We did about 70% in cash, and we still had about 30% left. So I went to the banker to see about borrowing the 30%. And his expert advice was this, will you quit giving money away? That was his expert advice. If you quit giving money away, we'll give you the money you need. And I said, no, we will not quit giving money away, and no, we don't need your money. Are you with me? Now, the centurion 
he might have been uncomfortable with criticism. The pilot and the captain says, yeah, we can sail on. Paul said, no. Well, I think I'm going to listen to Paul. What the heck is wrong with you, boy? We just told you we could sail. We're the experts. See, and the experts can make you feel like you don't know nothing. Huh? I could have walked out of that bank, and they said, well, you'll never get any money. Look at you. You, got, you have nothing to offer any bank as collateral. You think you're going to get money? You're not going to get any money. They could have said that. In fact, I'm sure they did when we left. <laughs> what would people think? What are the people going to think? I can't get the money. We can't finish the building. What's the people going to think? What's the people going to think about the centurion if he doesn't get the grain back to Rome like he needs to? Huh? Are you with me? How am I going to look in the eyes of the experts? Do you know what experts have? Opinions. That's what they have. They have opinions. Everybody has opinions. There is nobody in the world that don't have an opinion about something. Everybody has opinions. People especially have opinions about things they know nothing about. But they have a lot of opinions. Because that is the only avenue of information they have in this situation. They don't know nothing going on. But I have my opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. So you have to weigh the counsel. Just because somebody has a number of letters after their name, certain degrees hanging on the wall, or whether they have none, you have to weigh the counsel. Because in the council, you have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't allow Satan to talk in your ear about how foolish you're going to look if you don't listen to the experts. And that doesn't mean we have a know-it-all attitude. I don't have to listen to him. You know, sometimes you need to listen to him. It's not that you don't need their advice, but the Holy Spirit is the expert, and he'll talk through others, and you need to hear him. When I was trying to work it on selling my business, it was like two years. I was trying to sell it and couldn't sell the business. And a man came in, didn't know him from any. And I just talked to him about selling. He says, well, let me help you sell the business, and I'll lay out a plan for you and all this, and I'll just do it for you. He was a customer. He said, and I'll just do it for you. And he brought it in. And when he did, man, it just lit up on the inside of my heart. I said, that's what I need. And I used that to sell the business. Two months, it was done. Two months. I'd been working for two years trying to sell that thing. And in two months, it was done. Why? Was it because the man was so smart? No, it's because I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's what you need. Are you with me? Amen. Verse 12. So uh, let me just prep by saying this, finish by saying this. It's not about if they're expert or not an expert. It's who is the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you through. Verse 12, because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached the decision to put out to sea from there. If somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Okay, the next thing is discomfort. Discomfort will stop you from hearing the Holy Spirit. This place that they stopped at, Fair Havens, it was not suitable for winter because it was facing the wrong way and the winds were going to come in and it was going to be not a good winter. Going to bring in all kinds of bad weather. 
So if they were going to stay at Fair Havens, they would have to stay in an uncomfortable situation for at least three months. Well, now you add discomfort to impatience. And now add impatience to advice that you feel pressured you have to take. So the pressure is building now. It's already been a difficult trip. You ever been in a situation where you get tired and you get hungry and you'll do anything to finish up what you're doing with so you can go get comfortable? And what happens most of the time? Major mistakes are made. You're trying to you're trying in your own self to make things comfortable and it results in the discomfort that you're trying to avoid. Let me say that again. You're trying in yourself to make things comfortable and it results in the discomfort that you're trying to avoid. In fact, it's probably going to be worse. You know, we've had now we've had two hurricanes, two major hurricanes come through. Isn't that right? And whenever hurricanes go through, there's a lot to do. A lot to do for your own self, a lot to do even for helping others. And you just want it to be over. Well, the storm's already over, but what you mean is, I want it to go back to the way that it was. I wanted the old, comfortable way of doing things. But what you find out is that there is no going back. There's only pressing forward. There's no going back. Is only pressing forward. And you can only press forward in faith, right? Because it's only by faith that you can achieve the needed results. Your flesh and your emotions wants comfort. The Holy Spirit, though, is the comforter. We had rented uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church before we got in here. We rented the Seventh-day Adventist Church for five years, five years of setting up for every service, two services a week, setting it up, tearing it down after every service, storing it, and over and over again, five years, okay? After the five years was up, this building was not yet ready, and they were putting us out. We had already paid off their building for them with our rent. We already gave them enough money to build a fellowship hall over there. And now that they had all that going, they didn't need us anymore, so they said, you need to get out. I don't know if that was the reason, but it just seems like that. <laughs> so we had to get out, but this was not ready yet. So we had to go rent a school, a school cafeteria for six weeks. Well, we had gotten comfortable renting the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So now we're moving over to a school cafeteria, and now it's uncomfortable. And we didn't want to go into that situation. Just six weeks, you know, I mean, it's right around the corner. Can't we do something to sneak around the codes? Can't we do something to sneak around the building qualifications? Can't we just sneak in there and use it without anybody knowing it? Well, that would have just made things worse. But we wanted it over. But it's not the time to be led by discomfort in your emotions. Because you will wind up more uncomfortable in the long run. You know what happened to them. They wound up in a hurricane. That was worse than being in the winter in Fair Havens. Isn't that right? Yeah. Not only... Did they wind up in a hurricane? They lost the Alexandrian ship. <laughs> and I'm going to just suppose the pilot and the captain didn't own it. 
And they had to answer to somebody for having lost the ship. So because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision. Majority rule will keep you from hearing the Spirit of God. Well, everybody wants it. It must be right. And the voice of the majority is now applying even more pressure. And there's nothing wrong with getting input or getting suggestions. But notice what it said. Because it was not suitable for winter, they reached a decision. So they reached the decision because they didn't want to be uncomfortable. You know, when you hear suggestions from people, you got to ask, why the suggestion? Why are they making this suggestion to me? Is it for their own personal profit? I mean, it sounds so right, but is it going to profit everybody or is it going to just profit them? Why are they making this decision? You know, we used to have people come to us in church years ago, and they come to us about our children's programs, and they would suggest things for the children's program. But the reason they made suggestions is because it was what their child wanted. So it wasn't going to profit everybody. It was just their kid. So why are you making this suggestion, and who's going to profit from it? A young pastor may want to please the congregation, so he surveys the congregation to see what they would want. Well, what would you want? What do you want me to teach? You know, what, what kind of service do you want? And I've had people, you know, they would accuse me. We would have a guest speaker come in, and I'd hear people say things in the congregation. Well, I don't know why they're having them come in at this time. Like it was my plan. Like it was my idea. Maybe he's coming in at this time. You get your little tail under control and get in the service instead of running with whatever your emotions are leading you in. But that could just be another story. Are you with me? What do you want to see the ministry to offer? I've had people come to me and say, oh, Pastor, you need to open up a, 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 a Christian school. Ain't opening no Christian school. No. I have nothing against Christian schools, just not here. It would just, no. That was never in my heart to have a Christian school. We thought one time about having a ministry school, an actual accredited ministry school. And Dr. Dan and Eve told us, you don't want to do that unless you have an administrator that runs the whole thing. You don't want to be as the pastor running that school. All right, well, that's good advice. Are you with me? So maybe in taking a survey of the church, this young pastor could surmise this is what the people want, and that's what will keep people, and that's what will bring people. Yeah, the people want a king. Leadership is not based on majority rule. It's not based on majority rule. Do you know why we have a lot of people leave the church? Because I'm not leaving. No, you can go to a lot of denominational churches and they'll write a letter to headquarters and say, you need to move this guy out. And the people stay, but the pastor goes. I ain't going. It's on our articles of incorporation. I'm not going anyplace. So people know that. Well, he's not going, so I'm going to have to go. Okay. 
And I'm not asking you what you like to keep you here. You know, I believe in Elijah and Elisha. He throws the mantle onto Elisha, and Elisha says, let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and I'll go follow you. He goes, go back again. What have I done to you? In other words, I'm not making you any promises here, Elisha. It's up to you, between you and God. If you're supposed to follow me, follow me. If not, then not. Make a choice. And I'm sure about the time that Elijah called down the fire on the captain and the 50, Elisha's wondering, did I make the right choice? Are you with me? Success in life is not about making people happy. It's about making Jesus happy and following him. That's what it's about. Those that follow Jesus will be happy. The flesh just wants comfort. Comfort is not happy. Uh, Flesh doesn't like the pressure of change. And yet change is what's needed in every single one of us. And to think you don't need change means you really do need a change. (laughs) You can't even see it. (laughs) All right, verse 13. It says, when a moderate south wind came up, supporting, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close inshore. You know, go back to 12 for a minute, because this is really, you know, this is really something. The harbor was not suitable for wintering, so the majority reaches a decision. But then they said, if somehow they could reach Phoenix, oh, If we could just reach Phoenix, that makes me wonder, what is the statistical chances you're going to make it? But yet you're willing to go into this. And the Bible says that you that there are those the the naive will see evil and they will go headlong into it. They can know uh, we might reach Phoenix. There's a harbor that if we could just make it to that harbor, things will be good. But the chances of making it are slim. So now let's go on to 13. So when a moderate south wind came up, supposing they had attained their purpose. See, look, the winds have changed. Now we can make it to Phoenix. We can get where we need to go. But they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete close inshore. Because things were still not well out there in the open seas. There was a storm a-brewing. But what causes us not to hear from God? Favorable circumstances. Look, God has opened up a window for us. God's opened the door for us to walk through. What do you judge that on? Circumstances. Biggest deceiver of them all. Anybody can open a door. The devil can open a door. Isn't that right? So the wind seems to prove that Paul's wrong. But in the long run, it did not pay to not listen in the long run. And it didn't take long for those winds of circumstances to once again become contrary. Every single one of these has to do with an emotional involvement with the situation. 
And like I've said, the more emotionally invested we are in something, the harder it is to change it and deal with it because of those emotions. Circumstances, whether they're good or bad, is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Just because a door opens, it doesn't mean God opened it. There was a door open for Paul to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit forbid him to go. The door was opened. Well, let's just walk through this door and do this, and then I'll go do what God told me to do. That's insubordination. Amen. 1998 was a very hard year for us. Um, things in the ministry was very bad. And... Um, Stuff had happened with our last pastor, major split in the church, all kinds of things going on. And we were on staff, but now we're stepping into a place of, of leadership in the church uh, above just being a staff member. And um, all of a sudden, as we came towards the end of the year, a skiing vacation opened up to where we could go skiing, snow skiing. Never been snow skiing in our life. I've lived in New York, I've spent time in Colorado, never been to the snowy mountains. So now that we are living in Florida, there's a ski vacation that opens up. And money had been provided. Uh, there were people that other people knew that was willing to give us their ski outfits. They were like our size. They gave us their ski outfits so that we could use and go skiing. Everything was provided for the vacation. But I had no release to go. I'm like, oh, something's up. Something's up. Don't know what it is, but I can't go. Now, the family was going. You know, we, I said, you know, you and the kids, you go. And it was two other families also. And I said, you go. But I can't go. Well, so the family's getting ready to go on vacation. The other two families are getting ready to go on vacation, and that can be pressure because now you're saying, I can't go. Well, why not? I don't know. I just can't go. I don't have a release on the inside to go. And at the last minute, things turned in the spirit realm. Some people had made some decisions, and things changed in the spirit realm, and I got a release to go. So then I went, and uh, we went skiing. Are you with me? So that could have been pressured. That was it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. You know, you're telling your kids, yeah, I can't go with you. You're telling your wife, yeah, I, you're going to have to take the kids. I can't go. She's going to have to drive the 17 hours with the kids in the car and nobody to switch off with them for driving, you know. And... Um, it was just wasn't a pleasant situation. But I wasn't going to go if I know not to go. The door opened. It's a great big door of opportunity to go. But I did not have a release on the inside to do it. And we didn't go until I had the release. Once I got the release, I'm like, yeah, we can go. <laughs> Are you with me? Impatience, expert advice. Discomfort, majority rule, favorable circumstances. They were all appealing to the centurion's reasoning. 
and his preconceived ideas of how he thought things should go. All the reasons the centurion doubted Paul, who was speaking for the Holy Spirit. These are the five reasons he didn't listen. Did the Holy Spirit want him to go into a hurricane? Whose choice was it for them to go into the hurricane? Their choice. The Holy Spirit said, it's better to stay where you're at as uncomfortable as it is. You are at least alive. Sometimes the Holy Spirit stays, has you to stay in an uncomfortable place. It's not pleasant. It's not suitable. Your emotions don't like it. Your flesh don't want it. Right? So you might try to move into something that's more comfortable and more suitable. But if that's not the direction God wants you to go, it'll just create worse things. And it's not that God wants you to be uncomfortable. It's just that the thing you're dealing with right now, if you're going to make this change, whether it's in your character, in your finances, in your health, if you're going to make this change, okay, if you're going to make the change in your diet, it's going to be uncomfortable, isn't it? Anytime we want to make a change, it's going to be uncomfortable. But you've got to stay in that uncomfortable position in order to get the place of deliverance and comfort. Real comfort, God's comfort. Isn't that right? You cannot allow those emotions that have been invested into that situation, you can't allow them to lead you. You actually need to put those things down and talk to those emotions. In this day, in our life, we're facing pressures. You know, we're facing inflation. We're facing high gas prices. We're facing food prices. We're facing a threat of war over on the European side and a threat over on the Asian side, and we're right in the middle. I don't know if you know that. But Satan uses subtleties to bring doubt so we don't recognize those things unless we have a hold of truth and the voice of the Holy Spirit. He works very subtle. How subtle does he work? He works so subtle that for the last 60 years, he's been setting up this day that you're facing right now. And you didn't even know it. Of course, he's so subtle. The only reason you've noticed things now is, of course, it's been speeded up to where everybody can now see it. And it's like, got to get it done, got to get it done. That subtlety time was taken over. And now it's back to where it got to hurry up and get it. And now you can see it all. But before then, you didn't see it. You never saw it. You were lost as a goose in the fog. All of us were. You know, um, since the assassination of John F. Kennedy, they've been working on taking everything down. And then Ronald Reagan, the, the, the people of the country, woke up and voted in Ronald Reagan. That made the bad guys very, very upset. They tried to take him out, just like they did Kennedy. They tried to take him out. But then they shut things down again, and because things were good under Reagan, everybody went back to sleep. And it's just opened that door again for the subtleties of the enemy, and now things are worse and worse and worse. And you know the enemy, the, you know, the enemy gets ticked off. I don't know if you know that. The enemy gets ticked off. 
And when the people decided to vote Ronald Reagan in and he was so mad, he decided that when he got control again, he's going to really put the screws to you. And things have gotten worse in this country ever since then. Of course, he's putting the screws to you because he's mad at you. Just like it says in Revelation. And he went out to make war with all those that hold to the testimony of Jesus. He's mad. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. It's not a time to let go of faith and try something new. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word never changes. Always brings results when that word gets planted in a heart of faith. And it don't get planted in a heart of faith just because you sit there and hear something. Go, yeah, yeah, I like that. That ain't planting in the heart of faith. You've just started to where now you can start meditating on it. It's a process. There's a process involved. Isn't that right? Amen. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Sitting in church is not the victory that overcomes the world. Reading your Bible is not the victory that overcomes the world. It's when you, what you hear and what you read gets into your heart and creates faith, then that's the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. We all have the opportunity to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit or lean to reasoning. The Apostle Paul knew by the Holy Spirit that the voyage would be unsafe. He perceived it. The centurion did not heed the voice of the Spirit. And we can learn from his mistakes by not giving place to impatience and discomfort and uh, majority rule and expert advice and um, uh, uh, favorable circumstances that seem to line up for us. None of those things say whether something is or is not of God. Isn't that right? Amen. So don't fall into the schemes of the devil and wind up reasoning your way into further trouble because of being emotionally invested and having preconceived ideas. We are not to be the carnal church. We are to be the supernatural church. You know, there's only one difference between the church, the church. The one difference between the church and the world is not Jesus. Because the world has an opportunity to receive Jesus. But what makes the difference is the Holy Spirit. Because only the world can, I'm sorry, only the church can receive the Holy Spirit. And only the church can be led by the Holy Spirit. And just because you are the church, it doesn't mean you are. Because you could be like Saul and said no. Israel had preconceived ideas of leadership for their nation. Saul had preconceived ideas of how to make people like his leadership. Samuel had preconceived ideas of what a king would look like when he went to Jesse's house. But then there is what the Lord says. And the more times than not, he will always shake your preconceived ideas. God's ideas are the only ones that count to lead us and guide us. The only question is, is my idea God's idea? I can have a good idea, but is it God's idea? One difference between God's idea and a good idea is a zero. It's the only difference. Is my idea God's idea? And it's not the 
because I always think what's right, but it's because of where the idea comes from. Did it come from here? Did it come out of my heart? Or is it something I've formulated in my mind? Is my idea God's idea? And that's always the question that must be answered each time. Amen. 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 Well, just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we all, every single one of us, we all have preconceived ideas about things. But we look to you, Holy Spirit, to invade those preconceived ideas. We give you the right and we give you the authority to invade into our thinking that as the lamp of the Lord, that, that the spirit of man will become your lamp to search me and show me the preconceived ideas that need to be changed, Lord, that I would think like you think, that the number one thing is that I would roll and repose every care of my load onto you so that you can cause my thinking to become in agreement with your will. Lord, it's not my will that I want. It does not matter to me whether I go forward, whether I go backward, whether I go to the right, whether I go to the left. I am in a neutral position with you. Holy Spirit, lead me and direct me and guide me in the way you would have me to go. And help me to overcome, override, and stand against those preconceived ideas. For I want my ideas to be your ideas. I thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry I didn't welcome you guys on live stream and podcast today. Uh, must have got a little caught up on wherever I was at. But we're glad that you could be there today. And I know that you've been uh, bombarding with... Uh, 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 comments and also thank you for your part in being involved in the preaching of the word. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we may have come today with a preconceived idea of what we would do in the offering. But we're going to open ourselves up to you and whatever it is that you would have us to do. We purpose in our heart to hear from you, Holy Spirit. And whatever it is that you'd have us to do, that's what we will do. That whatever plan and direction you give us, that is what we'll do. We'll hear and we'll do. We will not get stuck on preconceived ideas. Lord, we thank you for it. Bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And again, if you joined us on live stream and podcast. Thank you again so much for, for being with us and joining with us in the preaching of the word. And, you know, your commenting just makes you to be a part of the service that's going on. And that is always a very, very great benefit to be involved. So if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link. And uh, when you sow your seed, just like those here today, sow your seed into the revealing of preconceived ideas 
so that you can break out of that mold and break into the mold of that which the Lord says. And you will see that life will move into a great and better place. Amen.